Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it's time for Score Overnights with Mark Grody. Little tapper, third base side, and this just absolutely dies in the Wrigley Field. Grass and the Sox take a 1 0 lead. There's a bunt from McGuire, first base side, and it gets the job done. Engel scores, 2 0 Sox. Well, we've seen Reese with the ability to do that, and last time we saw him with a sacrifice to third base. This time it's also a sacrifice, only it nets him his second run driven in. In the air to right field. Suzuki back at the track. This one is gone. Tim Anderson first pitch hunting. And I guess maybe we willed it into the crowd with a turn of phrase. It's 3-0 White Sox. Here's the pitch by Thompson. Ground ball left side. Backhanded by Horner. Flips the second for one. Madrigal the first. In time. Double play. And Thompson gets the Cubs out of the jam. He hits a ground ball toward third. That's a fair ball. Bouncing off the side wall. A run will score. Hap crosses the plate. Hayward goes to third on a double by Horner. Cubs are back in the game. It's now 3-1. RBI double Nico Horner. Hendricks first pitch. Bounce to second base. This is going to end the ball game. Harrison throws to first. And the White Sox win game one by a score of 3-1. This to second base. It is Harrison. And that it's a White Sox victory to open the series at Wrigley Field. 3-1 your final. So much for that. And this is score overnight. Oh my God, what's going on? God, it's been a while since I, I've talked to you guys on the overnight shifts and the you can't sleep or you're coming home or you're just going out, whether that is for work or to party or whatever the case may be in the great, big, beautiful city of Chicago. I am Mark Rohde. This is Score Overnight. I get to be with you for the next five hours, and we are open, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the national people tonight. It is your local guy, Mark Rohde. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you're itching to speak or if you'd like to text, that's the same number, 312-644-6767. What's been going on with everybody? Like, I, I feel this this energy right now because I haven't been around in a while. 
And I was getting so used to everybody and getting used to the overnights, other than all the stuff in between actually doing the overnight show. But it is fantastic to be here, to be back, and I will be with you for the next couple of uh, overnights at least. And, uh, man, there was uh, the Cubs-White Sox series. Were you ready for it this early on a Tuesday night in the rain? And a White Sox win over the Cubs by a final score of 3-1, to one, as you heard with the, the various highlights coming in right here on WSCR Chicago, on the Marquee Sports Network, which airs the Cubs games, and on NBC Sports Chicago, which is the home of the Chicago White Sox. We're going to talk a ton about the, the Cubs and the White Sox, the game the actual game was actually a pretty good game, as it turned out. So we'll get into, we'll dig into the occurrences of the actual game. We'll go zoom out a little bit on the Cubs and the Sox, as long as both teams are playing each other and they're right in our backyard, and we could all love and enjoy our two teams because they're only hurting each other right now. Nobody can hurt them except except for Chicago, and nobody can complain. We don't have to feel bad about some out-of-town team coming into Chicago and having to deal with our crappy weather that doesn't get great until June. It's Chicago with Chicago players, and everybody gets it. And Yeah, you could bitch about it, but it is. You ready? Ready? It is what it is. So lots of Cubs and White Sox talk. And I, actually, I'll throw a question out for – for both Cubs and White Sox fans right away, just to get just to get things stern a little bit in your, your baseball brain, and I'm keeping it very simple, mainly for myself, and and that is how how you feeling about your team? <laughs> and and I laugh because it is very simple, but why be complex about these things? And I think it's a good question because both teams have been very interesting. And not necessarily for good reasons, you know. So how do you feel about both your teams, Cubs fans and Sox fans? The the White Sox after tonight are they win, they are 10 and 13 and they were expected to be better that it really night they started the season, believe it or not, as if this isn't still the start of the season. They started the season doing exactly what they were supposed to do and expected to do as they got off to the best start in baseball at 6 and 2, and now they had that eight-game losing streak and now they're 10 and 13. So, how do you feel about your White Sox? Cubs, I think are probably right about where I expected them to be at 9 and 14. Although, I uh, I did not expect them to have the start that they did where they came out of the gate strong against Milwaukee. And I will say this about the Cubs, that although not all contact is good contact, they really have at least it's, – it's sort of like step one in the Cubs' rebuild. And the step one was we got to change the overall philosophy of the way we play this game, that the Cubs have to be able to make contact. Now, that has involved grounding into a lot of double plays. It has involved not always scoring as many runs. It has involved not being a great home run hitting teams. And really, there's nothing wrong with hitting home runs. It's just all the non-contact in between that got tiresome and exhausting if you are a Cubs fan and if you are those who run the Cubs, mainly Jed Hoyer and before him, Theo Epstein, was screaming during every offseason press conference, we've got to make more contact. we got to have a better approach at the plate. We have a bad approach at the plate. This worked for a couple of years, but guess what? It ain't working anymore. So the Cubs, they, they have accomplished that. It's, it's not working in terms of putting tons of runs on the board, 
But first steps, you know, first things first, you know, you got to whatever, however the form comes, a metamorphosis can sometimes be slow moving. And that's what it is in, in the case of the Cubs. It doesn't mean that they're good. It doesn't mean that this will turn into something better. But, you know, you would think in theory th- that it would. So both teams were doing were doing your classic check-ins from Cubs fans and Sox fans tonight at 312-644-6767. That is the phone number. The man to whom you will speak if you do choose to call the score tonight is Sean Sears. He is our overnight producer. He is also the producer of Hit and Run on Sundays with Matt Spiegel. I will actually be doing Hit and Run this Sunday from 9 until noon, filling in for Spiegs on Mother's Day. So, so yeah, um, got a lot going on. Other than Cubs and, and White Sox, and that that's the starting point tonight, we will definitely get into the Chicago Bears. Bears. I got to spend Bears. I got to spend all weekend at Hallis Hall covering the the draft. I was also part of our draft show on Saturday with Mike Mulligan and Anthony Heron and Olin Krutz. Had a good time with those guys, and I thought it worked out pretty perfectly. And you know, I got stuff on all of these draft picks that the Bears went after without a first round pick. Kyler Gordon. Jaquan Brisker, Valus Jones Jr. It is Valus, by the way, not Velus, not Velus. It is Valus. It is Valus Jones Jr. Braxton Jones, um, Dominique Robinson, Zach Thomas, Doug Kramer, uh, Jatiri Carter, Trenton Gill, Elijah Hicks, Treston Ebner. And we're all just getting used to these names. They probably sound pretty foreign to you. I was going to say, man, those names sound so <laughs> like you could, like when you. I I was glad you said you. Is it Jatari Carter? Is that how you say his name? Uh, J- oh, 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 no, that is yeah, Jatari Carter. Jatari yes. Carter. I was yeah. glad I heard you say it, and then as I was talking, I was like I didn't remember how you pronounced it, but I was like, I'm glad he said that because I have no idea how to say that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, man. I no, mean, we. I missed you yesterday because I was like, I want to talk Bears. Actually, I'm excited. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that did we replay the the Bears show last night, Sean? Is we that did. what we had on? Okay. Yeah, a couple of them. We played. Um, was it the uh. The the coach from what uh, Washington, uh, not Jimmy Walker, but the other one. Um, oh yeah, I know who you're talking the DB about. The coach, I, uh, I he def- was on. He was awesome. And then uh, Aaron Fernandez, the offensive line coach from Utah State. Both of those oh, guys sick. we played yesterday. Those are both really good. Good, good man. Well, I'm glad that you're itching for Bears. That it gave you a little uh, gave you a little jolt. Watching the draft, did it, Sean? Is that what happened to you? A little Bears jolt? Yeah, I was excited because, I mean, obviously it's a bummer when your team doesn't have a first-round pick, and the Bears have done that a couple times these last few years, so it's a bummer. But um, it's always cool when you get a guy like, I mean, like Kyler Jones is a dude, or Kyler Gordon, excuse me, uh, was a guy I did not think the Bears had any shot of getting. Sounds like they felt the same way. And right. I like Brisker, too. Like, these are two guys that I think could, like, be tone setters for your defense. Yeah, I mean, I think that both those guys, uh, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, both have a real chance to start i think gordon has the the better opportunity in this case but i mean not by much over brisker and they, they play different positions to be clear here gordon is a cornerback who looks like he is very capable of being a starter opposite of jalen johnson he's certainly better than anybody else on the roster right now i mean last year was a mess as it turned out it was almost like kindle vildor just got worse as the season went on and oh, i thought man. he was you know i guess semi-promising 
as as a rookie just because and you know he came in towards the end of the season and seemed to comport himself well but you know he's a fifth round Kendall Vildor he's a fifth round pick so not much was expected and Vildor will fit in nicely I suppose on special teams and hopefully you know somewhere deep on the depth chart as far as the secondary is concerned um, you know, guys get better, so I, I don't discount the possibility that Kendall Vildor heading into just his third season in the NFL can get better, but I think at this point we know that Kyler Gordon is the the better cornerback out of Washington, a, a school which has definitely pumped out some pretty good cornerbacks through the years. And, you know, the thing about, and we'll get deep deeper into this later, but thing about Jaquan Brisker is that is good that I like is that he he's a strong safety that that's his position he's not a hybrid he hasn't you know he's not going to play both he's not like you know Eddie Jackson where he just he's got to be free he's got to be the free safety and haha Clinton Dix who kind of played the same position as Eddie Jackson right yeah They've definitely been trying to fill the strong safety with, like, another free safety. Um, and then, like, last year they felt like even, or maybe two years ago, they were trying to drop Jackson, it felt like, more in that strong safety role a few times. Yeah. And it just yeah. like it just feels like they've – I mean, Amos was really good for this defense, but I don't know if they necessarily missed him, but they've missed that type of presence, a guy who can make tackles. That's a really good way to put it, like, because no matter what you want to say, it's not like, you know, Adrian Amos was a superstar. He he was a, a, a decent – compliment to Eddie Jackson considering what Eddie Jackson did and Adrian Amos did the things that I, when we comp, when we compliment people it means that they're able to do the do things better than than the other guy and right. Eddie Jackson was not one who liked to we know he doesn't like to make contact no matter what he says we've seen it we we all know that that is just not his strong suit and i i know from talking to db coaches with the bears and defensive coordinators with the Bears, um, at least those since Vic Fangio, um, you know, Sean Desai and Chuck Pagano, one of the things that both of those guys were trying to do is they said, okay, this is a really talented product, Eddie Jackson. He's a really good player, so we wanted we want to maximize him, and their way of maximizing him was let's let's open it up a little bit let's have him do different things let's move him up let's try him in the run game let's try him you know in the middle of the field deep on the field because we think that he's versatile and he can do these kind of things and i think it watered him down a little bit so there's a lot that's on eddie jackson but i also thought that a lot was put on his plate and sometimes coaches speak about keeping things simple and i think in a lot of cases the bears did not keep keep things simple with Eddie Jackson. Will will that be the elixir this year in what is a more simplex defense? Um anyway, in this 4-3 defense, it is it is not a defense that you have to think about a thousand different things like the past defenses when they were running the base 3-4. 4-3 is different and even Eddie Jackson himself said that that absolutely this is a, an easier defense to be a part of does that mean he's going to be better in it and he's going to get back to making seven or eight interceptions and taking balls to the house on defense i have no idea but i think that with kyler gordon here and a new defense and alan williams as the defensive coordinator and matt eberfus probably a defensive coordinator as well i think it portends well for eddie jackson and, and his defense overall 
Um, but but we shall see, and we will get into that. But I'm open to talk about bears at any time. If that's what's, if that's what you're itching for right now, if you want to pick up the phone right now and uh, call us at 312-644-6767 to talk about the Bears, talk about the draft, talk about Justin Fields, I am all for it. But I, I'm going to go through all the draft picks a little bit later on and just give you the – Maybe some things that you haven't heard about these guys, just nuggets that I was able to put together from talking to scouts out at Hallis Hall as scouts were made available to us and actually talking to the players on Zoom, too. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that you – I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, with all those 11 players and talking to scouts, there's just tons of audio. And I'm positive that there's probably things that you guys haven't heard or things that have gotten past you just because you all have busy lives and wacky schedules just like – I do. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Grody. This is absolutely score overnight. And let's let's go to the phone line. Let's get to the phones there before we dig more deeply into the White Sox 3-1 win over the Cubs tonight. And we start with my guy, Tim in Racine. What up, Tim? You're on the score. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Timbo, what's up, man? Long time no talk. Hey, uh, like Phil Collins says. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute you gotta you gotta explain that one to me i i feel like i know a decent ah, amount Glenn of phil Collins. huh yeah, oh Dicks, he goes you don't know that song with phil Collins goes <laughs> i don't know the song. song yeah well you'll you'll hear it when you know it you i i know the song but i just can't think of it i'm a music person but i, I damn it i can't think of the, the well, let, you know well let, let's let's keep it i can feel it coming in the night someone, tonight someone you know what I'm saying? this land tonight will know what i'm what song I'm talking about? He goes, <laughs> Let, let's and let's stick just, with uh, that's all. Okay, Green, he was an ex Green Bay Packer. I know that much. That's yeah, well, haha, ha, Clinton Dix was. Yeah, I can I can work with you on haha, ha, Clinton Dix. I'm just not following you on that particular Phil Collins song. But I bet there was oh, more well, in your mind, uh, Mr. Tim. Oh, oh, there is. Oh, oh, there is. You know, I was watching like the White Sox game and then in the Cubs game, and uh, Ian Happ was kind of like a stain, if you know what I mean. He was the what? A stain. A stain? Yeah, he's like a stain. He, you know, he had a, a strike pitch. It was a strikeout, and he looked at the ump like, oh, that ain't a strike. I don't know why. Why do uh, why, why do batters do that? Like, you know it's a strike. Don't look back at the ump. Just walk to the dugout and, and, and keep your eyes straight ahead. It's basically, I think that players, number one, I think that sometimes it's involuntary and they're angry about the call, but also it's an ongoing dialogue and maybe it gets them in better the next time. Players, sometimes it works I, I in your favor, sometimes it doesn't that. work in your favor. But sometimes if, if a guy, especially a veteran player, and I know that, I don't know that Ian Happ is considered that probably by now, um, it, Sometimes that works because if you show disapproval to an umpire and you're uh -huh. a veteran player, sometimes you get that pitch the next time. You just have a little discussion. You got to be tactful about it. That's all. Yeah, Mark. But it was clearly a strike, and he knew it was a strike. But you still, you still like look back like in anger. You know, it, that, that's what gets me frustrated. I don't care if it's my team or someone from the team I like or your team or who's ever team. But when when you know it's a strike, don't look back. Just look straight ahead. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but yeah, I would say generally speaking, you're right. If it's a pitch right down the middle, it's a strike. Yeah, don't look back. Sure, I, I'm with you. And I'm, but it wasn't like he just looked back. I'm not saying you know whatever. I'm just saying he stared. It was like he was like, "Are you kidding me? That's a strike." Kind of look, you know. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll I'll go back and review the tape. I did DVR the game, I, I so I will. I, I think it's like like it's 
second or third at bat, I think it was. It just kind of struck me funny. Okay. I mean, but right. also with basketball, I know I didn't get talked to you for a while. Remember I said the Bucks would win in like five or six, and they yeah, did that. They sure but did. Now the thing, yeah, but the thing of it is, is now they're playing Boston, and they held Boston under 90 points. And it's, it's really good, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying, do you think the Bucks will win this series against Boston? That's, I guess, where I'm going with that. Yeah, man. Well, um, the Celtics and Bucks are tied one to one right now. Celtics with a 109-86 win over the Bucks. I don't know, man. I, I look. I, I think that the Milwaukee does do this, and when I say it does do this, they lose games in the postseason. They lost game two to the Bulls. They could have lost game one for some reason, and this even goes back to last year. They barely made it out of the East and into the finals last year because they struggled at times in the postseason. A lot of people didn't think that they were going to make it to the finals, let alone win the finals. So I I will say, yeah, I do think Milwaukee is, is going to beat Boston. And I think Boston is really good. And talk about a team that turned it on at the right time and having a couple of superstars on their team. They got it going, and it's going to be a hell of a series. And I think everybody knew it was going to be a hell of a series. And that what you, that's what you got with a series tied one-to-one. Yeah. Also, um, you know, in saying that, I mean, it, it's like you got you have uh, – Chicago. No, I no. Actually, I wanted to go to the. Yeah, I wanted to go to the Brewers actually. Because <laughs> I, I, right. I asked like a lot of questions, and I got to get that stuff all right right away. But okay, Brewers, what do you uh, got? What what you need on the Brewers? With their pitching, all right. They've had like three or four. I think it's like uh, three or four pitchers in a row strike out at least ten people. You know what I mean? In, in consecutive games, and I don't think that's ever happened, man. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, you, you you know, you and I both know this, Tim, that this is a team that is so dependent on Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and, to a lesser degree, Adrian Hauser, who is, very, who is actually very hittable. Um, the, the, the Milwaukee Brewers are going to win because of Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. So it, it – to have them striking guys out and to be looking, you know, at, I don't know if they're at the top of their games yet, but pretty close to it, it is absolutely essential for this team to be like that. You know that, Tim. Yeah, but you know what it really gets me? It's like it's either the home run or the free ball with our team, <laughs> right? It's you got to hit the home run or you got to hit that three a lot or hit, you know, because that's just true to tonight. I mean, it's just you have to hit the home run ball to win, or you have to hit, sink the threes a lot. And that just remind you know, that's just how I see our team. Yeah, it's not bad, Tim. Thank you so much for the call, man. Good to hear from you. Like I said, it's a, well, it's been a while for for everybody. Yeah, um, uh, Giannis tonight had uh, twenty eight for the the Buckaroos. He was eleven of twenty seven from uh, field goal wise. Um, let me see here. I'm checking out their three-point range just, just to check Tim's math here a little bit. Um, hmm. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Five. Wait a minute. Were they only three of 18 from three tonight? Yeah. 
Milwaukee and getting blown out by Heard Boston. Bad. I, I knew they had a bad three-point shooting night, but three. Yeah, I think I think that that's right. I was having trouble lining it up because the I'm looking at the the box score on CBS and it was it looked like like the columns were a little bit off. That's why I was counting on the radio. I was counting four to the right, and that's where three pointers are. One, two, three. Yeah, I'll check that. I'll check that during the break to make sure. But we got to get out of Milwaukee sports here. I got to get. We need to bring this thing back into Chicago. Uh, so we will do that. We're gonna get back into Cubs and Sox and Bears. Uh, we've got people on hold, including Nick. Nick will be first. And if you want to jump in, this will be a good time. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. This is. There's no doubt about it. This is score overnight, folks, on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. You're listening to the show Les Grobstein perfected, and we hope not to ruin it. Score overnight. He started off on fire, obviously, uh, National Player of the Week and then uh, Rookie of the Month. I mean, yeah, I mean, this guy is a, a hard worker. Uh, he's calm. His, his swing plays uh, in so many different, against so many different pitchers. Uh, he's got real bat to ball. Skills and, and can command the zone, knows what he wants to swing at and, and stays true to that. He'll be like any other player. I think he'll have some ups and downs throughout the season and continue to adjust. But so far off to a great start. He's played great defense for us and really been staple in our lineup that, that we really need right now. Cubs manager David Ross on the Lawrence Holmes show before the game tonight, and that was the White Sox beating the Cubs 3-1 the final. I'm Mark Rohde. This is Score Overnight. Indeed, the show that Les Grobstein perfected, and we're just, we are. We're trying not to screw it up. We're trying to do it justice. We will never be Grobber, but uh, we will try to keep Score Overnight alive and well. I like to think that that's exactly what we're doing. Interesting moment for Seiya Suzuki in the game tonight. Actually, it was a very interesting third inning of Cub Sox out at dreadful Wrigley Field weather-wise. Oh, no, Wrigley Field is gorgeous and beautiful and everything. But, oh, my God, the weather was just bleep. But, anyway, in the Cubs' third tonight, it's 3 nothing White Sox. Alfonso Rivas with a essentially ruined Michael Kopech for the night. A 14-pitch at bats against Kopech. Actually, Kopech was very good. Kopech ends in a walk. You know, which is the worst for a pitcher. Foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. And then it, then it, then he walks. It's like, if you're Kopech, it's like, ugh. But anyway, Cubs then with two on and one out. Again, down three. Seiya Suzuki comes up against Kopech and just crushes a ball, lines it hard to first base. The ball is caught and... Some sort of poetic justice for Michael Kopech because it doubles off Rivas to end the inning. Just like that. Boom. The inning is over. Rivas worked over Kopech, and then Kopech got his when Suzuki lined out hard. So that was definitely a moment of the game. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Back to your calls. Nick, thanks for waiting. You're on the score. Uh, you know, I really don't have a lot. I was at the game today, and you were right; it was miserable. God, um, God bless you. Know, God bless you, man. God, did you stay the whole game? Uh, you know what? Uh, the group I was with, we had a little kid. He was seven. Uh, his first game, first major league game, and wow. I kind of felt bad for him. Like, 
this is not how it's supposed to be. The <laughs> ivy was brown. Uh, uh, the weather, I mean, the, we were behind home plate up in Texas Tier 20, which was nice, but the wind was just blowing the drizzle and the sleet straight into our faces. So, oh, man. Uh, we they, they pulled the plug, and I had to go with them. But, Don't blame um, you. Don't blame you. Found, uh, you know, we found some nice hot pizza right after that. You know, today's game, great in, from a Sox fan's point of view, which is what I am. Uh, but, you know, I you know with the, with the slow start, I got to I got to be honest I expect that out of the Sox. They're never really great in April. Uh-huh. Um but eight game losing streak, you know, how many more of those can we go through just watching this miserable baseball before the head office has to start scratching the head and going is Tony LaRusso the future of this team manager-wise? I mean, this has been the question on all the Sox fans' mind. What are we doing with this old bogey uh still <laughs> calling the shots? That's uh-huh. like clearly, you know, pitching Lurie, or batting Lori Garcia is second when you got Andrew Vaughn, who's hot, knocking out the balls, and, uh, you know, he's in the bottom of the order. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, man? Yeah, man. Well, he, it's funny. Like, Tony just leaves himself wide open for some of the decisions that he makes. Obviously, with the, the Leori Garcia stuff this year, hitting him second and third, like you said, and then some of the mistakes that he made last year, not just public relations errors, but, like, not ha- like with Matt Foster out on the mound and having nobody warming up in the bullpen after he's given up four or five runs. And then, yeah, you know, he, Tony has led well, direct- the constant, uh, you know, the Aaron Bummer show. Where it's like, is he going to pitch okay today or is he not? Let's let's see what it let's let's give him the litmus test. Is his first at bat a walk? Okay, it is. Pull him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, right. It, it's like baseball roulette. Uh, you know, Russian baseball roulette. Is he going to be good or is he not? Let's stop making the choice to let it be a good or bad game for for Bummer and just realize that it's not going to be a good time. Sometimes I, yeah. I don't know. What do you do with those innings? We got young guys. They're pitching good. Let them have yeah. a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Bummer looked good tonight for whatever it's worth, but it was definitely he a did. pitcher's he night, did. you know. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, it's like Russian roulette every time he comes to the mound. Is he going to give up the game or is he not? Half the time yeah. it seems like the answer is yes, he's going to. Right. And, and quite frankly, I mean, except for Kendall Graveman, that's the way it's been like with a lot of these bullpens. Like, again, Liam Hendricks was good tonight as well. But he's had his fair share of drama this year already. And so he's had a relatively slow start. So you can't really, I guess, I guess you can't really blame that stuff on Tony LaRusa because he's got to work with the bullets now, that he has. I mean, players have to prove out, but with the questionable line of decisions and just, I don't know, just the general atmosphere around him, I just don't see him as the guy to lead us forward to, you know, playoff success. Uh, we didn't see it last year, even though we were supposedly have this great, you know, talented athletic team. Um, a lot of injuries this year, a lot of injuries last year. We'll see how they play out in the summer when it gets warm. But, I mean, I just the atmosphere around it right now just feels down. And I just don't see Tony as the guy to, like, pull us out of it and lead us forward, like, to a successful, you know, campaign this year. I don't know. That's just me, maybe, but. No, it's good. It's a good call, Nick. I and I appreciate you calling. Thank you so much. Drive safely, and uh, I'm glad that you guys got you know seven innings tonight at Wrigley Field. Hopefully, the little one will get a green ivy game the next time you take him. But I'm sure he was thrilled with with what he saw. <laughs> assuming that he is uh, 
a Sox fan. And we know, man, like when you're seven years old, you take that stuff very seriously. So the kid got a win. White Sox beat the Cubs three to one. Here's the thing about Tony. I was actually on a station in Champaign today. And uh, one of the questions that they asked me, they were kind of sprained all fields in, in Chicago sports. And the, the very direct question was, is Tony La Russa going to last the rest of the season? And I said the only way that Tony La Russa does not last the, the entire season is, number one, if Tony decides to step down, or number two, if they're like something dramatic, like 15 or 20 games under 500. That's the only way that I could see Rick Hahn who is essentially Jerry Reinsdorf because Jerry Reinsdorf hired Tony LaRusso. So this was not a, a recon decision. So, you know, we, we've, we've told this story over and over, but this is, you know, Tony or Rick Hahn is, is somewhat powerless in this situation. So it had to be something really awful for the Sox to remove Tony LaRusso or if Tony LaRusso just has had it and he's like done and he feels like he can't do this team any justice anymore and quite frankly i'm sure that there's probably a deal between tony la Russa and jerry reinsdorf something to that effect you know what i mean like hey if i'm not feeling it i'll step aside i'll do the right thing but right now the Sox are you know they have one two in a row now um they have a pretty good chance of winning the series against the cubs they're 10 and 13 four and a half games behind minnesota and i'm not ready to say the twins are for real but they are 15 and 9 Nine and one in their last ten games, having won four straight games. Cleveland is ten and twelve. They've won three in a row, and uh, you know um, it's possible. But I still think, as I sit here right now on whatever the day is, May fourth, I still think the White Sox are the best team in this division, and I still think that Tony Larusa is going to frustrate you. At times, but I also think that although the Sox just had an eight-game losing streak, they probably have a a eight or nine-game winning streak in them as well, and then things will look a lot more a lot different for the White Sox. Joe is in Peoria. Hello, Joe. You're on the score. Hey, Mark. I wanted to say first, um, in my profession, I'm a guy that has to work overnight, and then also for some shifts during the day. Gotcha. So I just want to say thanks for what you're doing because I know it's not easy, especially <laughs> when you're not used to it. So, uh, and I've always appreciated you on the score. And I, 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 it's hard to step into a guy's shoes like you're doing with Les. And I think you're doing a great job when you are on overnight. Joe, thank um, you very much. That means a lot, man. It makes it worth my while when I hear stuff like that, Joe. So thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I, I just I want to talk to you especially because I know you're, you work with the, the Bears. And I, I understand that this is the first year of a new regime. But I honestly, I think people are on such a high from firing Pace and firing Nagy that, to me, I, I don't get the optimism for what they've done so far this offseason. Um, I understood why they had to trade Mac, and I understood why they've made some of the decisions they've they've done to get rid of some of the veterans. But to me, part of the advantage you have when you have a guy like Justin Fields, and it's something that Cincinnati just did, to me you have to take advantage when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal and some other really skill position guys that are cheap you got to strike while the iron's hot and try to win when you can. And 
they, you know, like using Cincinnati's example, they had a quarterback on a rookie deal, a wide receiver on a rookie deal, and they went out and they they bought a defense. The the Bears this off season, to me, they're they're going to waste most of the value of Justin Fields' contract because to me, unless they go out and sign a veteran wide receiver, the skill position players they have right now are some of the worst starting skill position players around a guy in the league. It's definitely in the NFC North. And, you know, I, I I agree with, you know, I think they have gotten some, some pretty good defensive players that were valued, but to me, you still got nothing but question marks in front of Justin Fields. And, you know, people are like, well, Byron Pringle was more productive than Allen Robinson last year, but it's like they forget that Allen Robinson was terrific under Trubisky and had an injury filled year and also last year, Byron Pringle was playing with Patrick Mahomes, and he had an offense with guys like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and others drawing the defense away from him. In Chicago next year, if Byron Pringle and Darnell Mooney are starting, there's nobody the defense is going to respect to draw them off of those guys. I mean, what is your take? I mean, to me, I don't even know who the starting right guard is going to be, and I was so confused that they let James Daniels go. Yeah, because yeah. to me, they haven't brought in anybody better than that guy. Well, I'll tell you this: that during the the voluntary mini camp, it was Dakota Dozier was the guy starting at right guard. I don't expect that that is going to be the case when the season starts, but that that's who it was. As far as the the idea that you know Byron Pringle, I, I don't really know what it means to think that Byron Pringle had a better year last year than Allen Robinson. Yeah, he did. But is it is are the people that are saying that saying that Byron Pringle is better than Allen Robinson? That's like that's really drunk thinking. That's that's ludicrous. I mean, just look at the contract that Allen Robinson got, and look at the contract that Lucas Patrick got, and the promises that Lucas Patrick has, and that is trying to make this team. Uh, he'll make the team. I shouldn't say that, but he's going to be fighting for playing time on the field. So the Allen Robinson thing is absolutely ridiculous. I do agree with you, though, that the the Bears have a – there is a problem right now. Again, uh, where we are right now on May 4th, as I sit here on 1242 on a, on a Wednesday morning, the Bears do not have playmakers on offense. They simply do not. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery are the closest things to it, and neither of those guys necessarily puts the, puts a whole lot of fear in you. I think Mooney can because of his speed. So there is some awareness of defenses of Darnell Mooney. Well, there is. There is, but not like, you know, an ace wide receiver. Um, you know, Equinemius St. Brown, that's a project. That's a project. Um, and, you know, when you have guys out on the field that are projects and were semi-productive like Byron Pringle, then, yeah, the, there is work that needs to be done in with undrafted rookies, with free agents, and I, I don't know the exact plan that, that Ryan Poles has right now as far as the, the receivers are concerned because they've been, relatively speaking, they, they have been neglected so far. So, Joe, I, I, I agree with, with most of what you're saying, and there, there is a lot to be put together for the Bears right now. Well, thank you. That's yeah. That's all I was thinking. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. I really appreciate your call and the kind words. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, with all the, with like this, this draft is very interesting because when you look, when you don't have a first round pick, it's hard to look at a draft and say, oh, like to really be excited about it because any draft, like for a fan base or even doing what we do in the media, it's a whole lot easier to rank a draft class when it can start with a top pick, with a first-round pick, and then everything else can feed off of that. That while everything else matters, it doesn't matter as much when you get down to the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds if you've done, like, when you have a first-round pick and even second-round picks, two of those the Bears did have. So that's where you start with this draft, with, with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker a cornerback and a safety who I think it's possible that they could beat starters, but we don't know for sure where it really gets murky for the bears is with all the, the offensive linemen that they took with, with Braxton Jones with who's out of Southern Utah with Zach Thomas out of San Diego state with Doug Kramer out of Illinois with Tyree Carter out of Southern. All these guys, like, you know, I mean, oftentimes guys that are picked that low, they're a coin flip. So, you know, and I've been hearing a lot of people saying, you know, you have lottery picks. These are lottery picks, and if one of them hits, then you've done well. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I like that because then then you're just you're you're saying that I want quantity over quality, and we'll we'll see. Hopefully, one of these guys hits. I hope I hope there's a little bit more that has gone into it. And the Bears certainly haven't said anything like that. I've just been hearing that from other opinion makers that it's all fine. This jumble of of offensive linemen. There has to be a little bit more separation than these are lottery picks, and hopefully one of them will hit. I hope that's not the way they're looking at it. 312-644-6767 is the number if you want to get in on score overnight. There is nobody on the line right now. So if you want to talk on the radio, talk about the Cubs-Sox game, talk about the Bears. We could even get into the Bulls. I actually have some thoughts on, uh, on Zach Levine that I wanted to get into. Um, we could we could do anything. and It doesn't even have to be sports because, you know, what? the score overnight, the boss isn't listening. So uh, even if he was listening, we can talk about anything. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Rohde at Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Eddie hadn't tackled anybody since high school, probably. Okay, so stop thinking he's going to come down and thump somebody. He's not going to do it. That's not what he do. Like, come on. Like, very few people can do it all. But what we do know Eddie can do is he can roam in the back and make plays, and he can steal post routes. He can steal slants when people come down. He makes plays, and he goes and scores. He can play at that all-pro level. I'm still on board with Eddie. I think Eddie can be a phenomenal piece on this defense when he's just doing his job. Just do your job. There are 11 jobs out there. You do your job, and the rest of the guys, they have to do their job. And I think Eddie can be back to that Pro Bowl slash All-Pro level because I don't think it's gone anywhere. I think he still has the confidence. I think he still has the ability. He's still young. Alex Brown, former Bear, sounded a little like Tom Thibodeau right there. Do your job Alex on with Lawrence Holmes yesterday right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score obviously talking about 
Eddie Jackson and everybody hoping that uh, Jaquan Brisker, the the Bears' safety second-round pick out of Penn State, number 48 overall, maybe he is what Eddie Jackson has been needing to get him out of his funk that he's been in really since 2019. He's had a he's had a well, really, he even said that last year he had a bad year. I think he said something similar last offseason, too, about the previous season. So it's been a while since we've seen the dynamic playmaking Eddie Jackson and everybody hoping that Jaquan Brisker is what can help him. I'm Mark Grody. It's score overnight, 3-1-2-6-44-67-67. The White Sox beat the Cubs last night 3-1, to talking a lot of Bears draft. And right now we are talking to Jose in Aurora. Hello, Jose. You're on the score. Mr. Grody, thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bears, but I ask you a Bulls question at the end. But sure. um, yeah, it's obvious that the three, the three first defensive guys that they took, those guys are going to be on the 53-man roster team. I, but I really wanted to talk about the offensive tackles and the center that they took. Those four. I'm a Big Ten. A Lion Eye fan, so I seen Mr. Kramer play and Brisker play. I think those two guys are going to be real good for the team, and I really think eight of those eleven guys that they chose, I think they're going to be on the fifty-three man roster team. Maybe that's thinking too much, but I, I really think that's what's going to happen there. Um, about the Bulls, question that I wanted to ask real quick. I know Mr. Levine uh, might not, if he does sign with us. That'd be good, but do you think there could be a sign and trade where if he doesn't want to be with us and he wants to be somewhere else, do you think that really could happen? I hope not. I'll well, get off the uh, line and uh, well, the, oh, well, let me know. What do you think? Do you think that right. could happen? Yeah, Jose, thanks, man. I, I will definitely let you go because i got to run here in a second, so I don't mean to cut you. Hopefully you, you can listen on the radio, my friend. Jose, thank you for calling. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's plausible, but all signs point to the the Bulls wanting to keep Zach Levine. Like, I didn't think Arturis Karnaschovas was very ambiguous about it. He said he likes him, and he hopes that he's around for a long time. Now, Levine, on the other side, he's playing the game. He's playing the game, and he didn't seem to give the Bulls, you know, the first choice. He says he's going to, you know, listen to everything. So I think he's gotten some good advice from his agents, and that is to, hey, there's no quote-unquote home team discount. But in actuality, the the Bulls could offer the most money. And it'll be interesting because, look, the, the Bulls can give him the most years and the most money. They give Zach Levine five years, $212 million. The maximum that other teams could give him would be four years and $160 million. What we're going to find out about Zach Levine is, is if he really wants to be in Chicago and and be with the Bulls because he would be a in a situation where he would be making the most money of than than of any other team, and he is part of a core that won this year. Even though it was a horrible ending to this season, the Bulls are uh, the the arrows pointing up. So you know it, it we're really going to see if Levine wants to be here. As far as the 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 Bears and you know eight of eleven of those guys making the roster, it's not crazy to think that, because you look at like the two previous drafts, and every single player that the Bears drafted in the last two years under a different regime. But just for example, 
you know, teams really want their draft picks to make the game. Every, the team, every single guy made the team. Um, last year, Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsome, uh, Thomas Graham Jr., and Kyrus Tonga. And I get it, Thomas Graham Jr. squeaked onto the roster at the end. Same with Daz Newsome, but they all played and ultimately made the team. In 2020, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, Travis Gibson, Kendall Vildor, Darnell Mooney, and then the last two, Arlington Hambright and Latavius Simmons. Again, squeaked onto the roster, barely played, but still played. So, you know, this is that's the way the NFL is built. Teams build their teams through the draft, so they want their draft picks to make it. So I, I, I don't think it's outlandish to think that eight of the 11 of those guys would make, make the team. And, and quite frankly, you know, the bodies are needed for the Bears. They've got more than they did before the draft, that's for sure. But they need 90 um for for training camp three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number going to get to more of your calls more cubs bulls and bears talk coming up um if you're on hold right now we will get to you right away starting with brandon so we appreciate your patience three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven i'm mark grody this is chicago sports radio 670 the score okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.